Hello, my friends. This is Pastor Christopher Allen. Uh, I trust you are having a good day. And uh, I would like to, you know, continue on the subject. We are in the, in the book of Acts. We are talking about the miracles in the book of Acts. And that is about how the ministry of Jesus continued through the apostles, how the, how the miraculous, the healing ministry of Jesus Christ continued through the apostles and not just uh, at, at a diminished level, but at quite a high level of intensity as it was in the ministry of Jesus. And that's the same way it should be because the, uh, because the book of Acts actually uh, shows us the practice of Christianity, how apostolic Christianity should be practiced. And the book of Acts is a book packed with the miraculous and because it is the ministry of Jesus continued uh, through the church. And that's the way the church should be today. Praise God. But before I go into that, I want to share another uh, testimony with you, uh, a story from the old days. And this is, uh, I was in Africa. My son, Emmanuel, who is uh, 36 now, he he was, uh, I think he was 12 years old or 10 years old, something like that. Anyway, we went to Africa and we were holding a crusade in the city of Victoria Falls in Zimbabwe. And so one day I decided to take him to show him the falls. So we went to the falls area. It was actually the falls is just a one kilometer or so from the city, from the town. So we walked to the falls, saw the waterfalls. And as we were coming back, uh, there, was a, there, there, there was a bus stand there and there were buses and lots of people, tourists and all kinds of people. So yeah, it was a hot day. So, so there was a guy selling ice cream. So... I asked Emmanuel if he would like some ice cream. He said, yes, dad. So I bought him an ice cream. And uh, and then suddenly, you know, this crowd gathered around us because they knew who I was. They had seen me at the crusade um, and they must have recognized me. So I was doing this. Then this one guy comes up through the crowd and begins to do some kind of sign language. And I didn't understand what he meant. And the ice cream seller said to me, sir, he's deaf and mute. He's born deaf and mute and he wants prayer. Could you pray for him? And I thought, okay, we are seeing deaf, mute people getting healed at the crusade and uh, uh, pray for him here. And I thought, I looked at all the white European and American tourists there and, uh, you know, the people just staring and watching. Because, you know, when you're in a crusade, you're more in control. It's your crowd. You are there. They're there to hear you. But out there, you know, those people are not there for you. They're just there staring at you. So I thought, a while and then I said to the ice cream man please tell him to come to the crusade tonight I'll pray for him there and then saying that I walked away I'd walked about a I think about 50 meters or 100 meters and I stopped under a tree and I I thought to myself uh, here's my little son he's come with me to Africa be part of this crusade and he's watching me and uh, what kind of Jesus is he going to believe in? Is he going to believe in the Jesus who only heals the sick at crusades and at meetings and not uh, here where the real world is? I thought I can't because th this was more than just a man wanting prayer. This was my son. Uh, what kind of Jesus, what kind of legacy am I le leaving with him? What kind of Jesus is, going, is he going to believe in? And then, so I decided, no, I'll go back and pray for the man because I want my son to learn and to see that Jesus is the same 
today, but not only today, but he's the same everywhere. So anyway, uh, so I was standing there thinking, then uh, uh, my son, a little kid, he says, Dad, what, what are you thinking? I said, I said, come with me. So I went there and um, I, I, I went into the crowd. I found the deaf mute man. I said, come here. I took him aside, took him about 10, 20 yards to the side. And I prayed for him, put my fingers in his ears and I cursed the deaf and dumb devil in the name of Jesus. And that thing came out of him and instantly this guy who was born deaf and mute began to hear and he began to repeat everything I say he could hear and speak. And, and I just said, God bless you and I let him go. And as I came back, uh, Emmanuel said, Dad, and I turned and looked at him and he had this bright smile on his face. He said, Dad, Jesus is bigger than the devil, isn't he? That was awesome. And you know, that made my whole day. And, you know, I've thought of that so many times that we always have to be bold for the gospel and, and pray for the sick at every opportunity because Jesus truly is the same, not only yesterday, today and forever, but everywhere, here, there and everywhere. Praise God. Hallelujah. Anyway, uh, I want to read to you today, talking about the ministry of the apostles. I'm going to show you several scriptures and see how the apostles ministered. Uh, to the sick. It says, chapter 5 in Acts 5 verses 12 to 16, it says, and by the hands of the apostles were many signs and wonders wrought among the people. And they were all with one accord in Solomon's porch. And of the rest, durst no man join himself to them, but the people magnified them. And believers were the more added to the Lord multitude, both of men and women. So what he's saying is that many signs and wonders happen through the hands of the apostles. Uh, God is the, Jesus is the one who does the miracles, but he uses our hands. We have to remember that. Jesus is the one who does miracles, but he uses our hands because he's not here physically, but we are here physically and we are his church. So he does the miracles, but he uses our hands and he uses our lips and he uses our faith and he uses our eyes. And so we are his his body. We are extensions of who he is. And because of that, because all these miracles were happening through the hands of the apostles, it says that uh, many more people were added to the Lord. You know, people always come to Jesus when they see the miraculous works of God. Miracles are God's business card. They are God's dinner bell. Miracles always point to Jesus, that Jesus is the Savior. People come to faith in Jesus when they see the miracles. And then, you know, it's very interesting. When you think of Jesus and miracles, there was a time when the Pharisees said to Jesus, do us, do a miracle, show us a miracle so that we may believe in you. And Jesus refused to do a miracle. And he said, you shall not tempt the Lord your God. This is interesting. Jesus never healed anybody to prove anything to religious people. He never did that. Jesus never did a miracle because he had something to prove to the religious people, to, to prove to them that he was the Messiah. And we should never, uh, you know, pray for the sick to, to prove anything to people. We don't have to prove anything to anybody because it's not about us anyway. So, but Jesus always did miracles because he had compassion for people. He always did 
miracles for people who had faith in him. So, uh, you know, either he had compassion for them or the father told him to pray for them or, you know, people had faith and they wanted him to minister. He touched them. He prayed for them, but he never did a miracle to prove anything to the religious crowd. He never did that. And so we have to remember that. And uh, so he says, believers were the more added to the Lord multitude, both of men and women. And he says, insomuch that they brought forth the sick into the streets and laid them on beds and couches that at least the shadow of Peter passing by might overshadow some of them. I mean, there were just so many people there that they brought these multitudes of people and they laid them out on the street where Peter was supposed to walk. And so all these people were lying on the street. And then when Peter passed by, when his shadow fell on the sick, the sick were healed. Praise God. I mean, we are talking about the healing ministry of Jesus through the apostles. So hands, so miracles were done through the hands and miracles were also done through their shadow. So through the hands and through their shadow. And then it says, Verse 16, there came also a multitude out of the cities round about unto Jerusalem, bringing sick folks and them that were vexed with unclean spirits. And they were healed, every one. Now, I just want you to know this. I, I, I don't want to sound sarcastic, but you know, a, a, lot, a lot of people like to preach on why sometimes, you know, God doesn't heal the sick or you people, or you people they will say it's a, supposed to be a show of humility. You know, I, always, I don't always understand why there are people who are not healed. Have you noted that the Bible never uses that language? The Bible, nobody in the Bible, none of the apostles ever. I mean, there's no teaching on it. It's, there's no mention of it. Why sometimes God doesn't heal the sick? Uh, because I, I tell you what, you know, the, the thing is that I said in an earlier on, on another in another earlier lesson that we are imperfect people, but we preach a perfect Jesus. We preach a perfect gospel. And the thing is that somewhere, because we are God's channels, we are his, the conduits of his powers and his power that flows towards it always gets tainted, tainted and colored uh, by the vessel through which it passes. So there is always that, uh, uh, you know, that situation when someone doesn't get healed. So what do you do? Uh, the first thing is that you have to remember, we should always preach what the Bible teaches and not preach our experiences. Because if you begin to preach your experiences and you put your experiences together, you really end up with nothing. You end up with a bunch of speculation. And I can say this, that, uh, well, I've seen many people heal, but I've also seen people who are not healed. So where does that leave us? Well, it leaves us with this, that we know what the Bible says. Jesus bore everybody's diseases, but sometimes God doesn't keep his word. He lies. He goes against his own word because of his sovereign will. He does what he he feels like anyway. So we can't really know the will of God. We don't really know anything. That's where it leaves us. And that is not a good ground for people to faith, to have faith on. Faith is always built on an assurance of what the word of God says. So if you do that, so what, what, what about those people who don't get healed? Well, I tell you, this is what I do. I, I keep on teaching. I keep on preaching because I'm not the healer anyway. I examine myself and uh, I, I always 
try to improve my teaching, my preaching, and improve my style of ministry, and uh, and correct myself doctrinally, and uh, and you know, and help people talk to them where I have to talk to people. I mean, th those are the things I can do because ultimately. I am not the healer, only Jesus is the healer. And we have this task, we have this mandate to preach the gospel and pray for the sick and we will do it. And we will uh, encourage people, people who don't get healed, I will encourage them and I will, uh, I will give them some, uh, you know, some guidelines and some keys on how they can increase their faith and grow stronger in their faith. And, and I will try to grow and increase in, and, and, and how do you say, grow in my faith also. All these things work together, makes it better and better. So I can say that today, I see a greater percentage of people healed today than I did many years ago. Uh, I do, uh, but I cannot claim to say that I am perfect. I've seen dead people raised up. I've seen God healed, deformed children, all kinds of miracles. But does that make me an expert? No, we are all dependent upon Jesus. We all preach the gospel. So I always tell people, listen, Jesus bore everybody's diseases. It is God's will to heal everybody. Healing belongs to everybody. It is in the word of God. But when people don't get healed, I, you know, I don't go towards the side of negativity by trying to rationalize because the Bible doesn't rationalize. A rationalization, if you rationalize things and try to make two and two, four, you, what you end up with is speculations. And one man's speculation is as good as another man's speculation. And when you come up with speculations, you always end up outside the Bible. You end up teaching things that are not in the Bible. And when you, as an authority figure, as a minister of the gospel, begin, and I say myself also, not just you, but you and I, when we teach things that are outside of the Bible, because of the respect and the credibility we have, people will belong to, uh, will begin to believe those things and treat our speculations as if they were biblical truth. And that is why we have a great responsibility to make sure that people only get the Bible from us and nothing else. Okay, we, 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 uh, we, we, we're going to talk more about that later. But I just want you to say that because here it says they came a multitude out of the cities round about unto Jerusalem, bringing sick folks and them which were vexed with unclean spirits and they were healed everyone. You know what, what you know what I'm doing? I am pressing forward to that mark. I want to see that day when every single man, woman and child is healed in my meeting, in my crusade. I want to see that. I'm not saying, or I can say this, you know, I can either do that, press forward in faith and, and uh, to take a hold of that, or I can say, well, you know, I've been in ministry 44 years. I've never seen everybody healed. So I know sometimes, you know, uh, it's not God's will to heal. I know God can do it, but I doubt it whether he will. And you know what? If I believe that way, that's where I'll stay. Believe me. If that's what you believe, that's what you'll stay. It's a self-fulfilling prophecy. If you believe that God will heal people through your meetings, but he will not heal everybody and sometimes things will happen. So, and then you face certain situations and then you end up and, and say, and say things like, well, I know God can do it, but I don't think he will. Well, if that's where you stand, praise God, God bless you. That's what you will see. 
because you will always get what you expect. So never lock yourself in a position where you, where you hinder the Holy One, where you hinder God from, from uh, having full reign in your life and ministry so that he can do even greater and greater and greater things. If you want to, to see God do greater and greater and greater things in your ministry, you must learn to let go and give full reign to the Holy Spirit and just preach the Bible and say in the Bible, Jesus bore everybody's diseases, carried all their pains, and I believe that is the same today. And Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Praise God. So here she says, through the ministry of Peter, it says in that situation, multitudes of city of people from the cities uh, round about Jerusalem, they came bringing sick folks and people were vexed with unclean spirits and they were healed everyone. Now, the other thing I want to say, we must have the miraculous if we are going to be apostolic. That's a key word that is used a lot these days. People talk about being apostolic and I honestly don't know what they mean, but uh, when they use the word apostolic. But for me, in the Bible, if we are apostolic, we must pursue after the supernatural. We must pursue Pentecostal power. We must have miracles in our ministries. We must uh, believe the word of God. We must preach the word of God, believe the word of God and preach it filled with faith and the fire of the Holy Ghost. And we must pray and seek God and spend time on the floor on our knees and do whatever it takes. Lord, I want to see more of your power, more of your glory. So we must seek that. And to have apostolic power, we have to seek that. Amen. Then let's look at Acts 6 verse 8. And Stephen, full of faith and power, did great wonders and miracles among the people. And uh, Stephen wasn't even among the apostles. He was one of the deacons, but he was full of faith and power did great wonders and miracles among the people. Praise God. God wants us, you and I, to be full of faith and full of power. Think of those two words, full of faith, full of power. Because if we are full of faith, full of power, God will use us to do great miracles. Now, all this is in the Bible. I'm not preaching my own stuff. I'm not making this stuff. This is in the Bible. Now, let's look at Acts 8 verses 4 to 8. It says, Therefore, they that were scattered abroad went everywhere preaching the word. Then Philip went down to the city of Samaria and preached Christ unto them. And the people with one accord gave heed unto those things which Philip spake, hearing and seeing the miracles which he did. So it says they heard and they saw. They heard and they saw the miracles which he did. For unclean spirits crying with loud voice came out of many that were possessed with them and taken with palsies and they and that were lame were healed and there was great joy in that city. So Philip came to Samaria and uh, there was a great move of God. There were wonderful, wonderful miracles. Now, you know, this brings me to another thing. This is in Acts chapter 8. Now, I want to tell you this because um, in, in the gospel of John, uh, I believe it was the 11th chapter, we see Jesus went to Samaria. Remember that? Jesus went to, no, it wasn't the, uh, it wasn't the 11th chapter. It was before that. But anyway, this is what happened. Jesus went to Samaria and he met the Samaritan woman. You remember he talked to her. He gave her words of knowledge, told her about her life. And she went and told everybody in the city and they all came out and they all put their faith in him. I mean, they all believed in Jesus. So, uh, the whole of Samaria, the city was moved 
and they all came to Jesus and they believed in him that he was the Messiah. Well, 11 years later in Acts 8, Philip was there. Sorry, Philip was there. And when Philip was there, what does he see? He sees a city run by this sorcerer, actually a magician. He was running the place and he preached Christ there. And the whole city, they gave heed to the things which Philip spake and they saw the miracles that came through his hands and demons came out of people and people were healed and there was great joy in the city. Now, what had transpired into those 11 years? Jesus come, had come and preached there and there was great joy in the city. There were, uh, there was, miracle, I mean, you know, all these people say, you know, it was an amazing move of God. And now 11 years later, Philip comes there and there seems to be no trace of what happened then through the ministry of Jesus. But there was a sorcerer running the place and Philip had to preach the gospel all over again and there were miracles. Now, evidently, now you understand what had happened during those 11 years. Now, this proves to us that the gospel has to be preached not only to places, but to people. Uh, you know, I go to Africa and uh, I go to places and uh, sometimes I re revisit the same place after five years, six years, eight years. And this is what I've seen because in sub-Saharan Africa, uh, a few years ago, the figures were that the life, average life expectancy was 37 years. You don't see many old people there. I mean, really aged elderly people. Uh, people die young. And if you, when I, I'm at my crusade, I see a lot of youngsters, a lot of children, young people and young adults. A lot of the people are young. Very few people are old. Why? Because of disease, poverty and all that lack of medical facilities. People die young. People die early. So when, when I go back after five years to a crusade, and I see a few of the old pastors from the last time and I ask about the others. Well, so-and-so died and he passed away and often people die. They just drop dead young. And so what happens, it's not about reaching a city. You know, you preach the gospel in the city and so the job is done. But you have to revisit because it's people. Jesus didn't die for places, but he died for people. So you have to go back to the same places again and again and demonstrate the power of God and preach the gospel and reap a harvest. And then a few years later, you have to come back again and preach the gospel because there's new people there, because the older people have died. Some people have moved in. People have moved in from the rural areas and young people um, have grown up, become adults. And, uh, you know, the youth have become adults. The children have become uh, teenagers and babies are born, you know, I mean, the, there's a shift. And so it was the same thing. Uh, Jesus went and preached in Samaria and there was a great move of, sit in, of God in the city. People got saved. And after 11 years, Philip comes there and it's a totally different demographic. It's the people, this new people, and there's a sorcerer, I think his name was Simon, who was in charge and who everybody followed him. And Philip had to come and preach the gospel there. He didn't treat the place like, oh, well, Jesus was here 11 years ago. So I guess this place is okay. No, he came back and he preached the gospel and there were sick people there, demon possessed people there. And they, the demons were cast out of those people. Sick people were healed and there was great joy in the city. And this is, has been my experience again and again and again in places I've been to. Um, you, you come back after a few years and you, you need a fresh new move of the spirit because 
Jesus died for people and it's all about people. And when we preach the gospel with a passion for the lost, God will always confirm the word with signs, wonders, and evangelists. And Philip, Philip was an evangelist. And an evangelist, and the, uh, how do you, my, my spiritual father, Brother Hagen, used to say that the, the ministry of an evangelist should always be punctuated with signs, wonders, and miracles following the word. The ministry of an evangelist is not just to exhort, but signs, wonders, and miracles must follow the word of God, must follow the gospel message. Praise God. Anyway, so that is all I want to share with you uh, today, and I'll share more with you tomorrow. We have all the time, and we got we are all stuck in here with this uh, lockdown situation so it's good to be able to share with you every day we'll we'll talk more about and then uh, after we are done with this i'm going to about the, the book of acts i'm going to teach you how you can effectively minister to the sick because i'm just laying a groundwork talked about the realities of redemption then i'm going to teach you how you can pray for the sick how you can help people and I'll, I'll teach you how to minister to difficult, difficult cases, what to do in situations like that. Then we'll also try to an, an answer some of the difficult questions that people have. We'll do that. Then after that, we'll talk about faith. We'll talk about the gifts of the Holy Spirit and praise the Lord. And so we'll do all that. And um, anyway, so let's pray together. Uh, I'll pray for you, pray for your household and ask you to pray for me and my family also plus our teams in Asia and in Africa. They also need prayer. We are all doing well, family doing well. My teams are doing well, but we need your intercession and your prayer. So let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray for my brothers and sisters, uh, wherever in the world they are, Father. I cover them with the blood of Jesus, that Father, you bless them and protect them uh, from all the works of the evil one. And Father, if anyone is sick in their homes, I curse every spirit of infirmity, disease, and sickness in the name of Jesus, and I speak life to you. Father, bless them, let them grow in their faith, and be strong through your word in the name of Jesus. Praise God. Now, one thing that has been stirring in my heart through all this, this pandemic situation, please, this is for yourself, for your own good. Please continue to tithe to your local church. You must tithe to your local church because uh, you see when you sow seed, when you give, it's really for your sake because when you sow seed, that is something that God can take and use to bless you back. So, and you need the blessings of God and plus your churches need your help. So make sure that you continue to tithe, send your tithe into your church and help missionaries also. There's, there's missionaries who need help. I'm, I'm a missionary. Then there's other very good missionaries who you know, they need your help. So just sow seed. And in addition to that, when you see people around me who have needs and just reach out to them and love somebody and sow some seed and bless them. And as you, because the Bible says that we are blessed to be a blessing. Remember that we are blessed to be a blessing. Well, God bless you and see you again tomorrow. Bye.